0: man of God with us and uh, you know you know Will knows what it means to, uh, Will and Bridget both do, know what it means to choose God's plan God's will. You know as you know he was for years, the beginnings of Wren Collective, he was one of the lead singers and uh, you know and I mean I'm driving down the road and not that I listen to a lot of Christian radio but um, turn it on and there they are and he set that aside for the plan and purpose of God in his life and uh, I know that 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 couldn't have been an easy decision for him to make but it was a decision that he made so that he could fulfill the plan and purpose of God. And, and when you hear what's going on in D.C. right now, um, we know that he made the right choice. And so, I'm just thankful that he has in-laws in the city and uh, comes back to see us. And uh, so, with no further ado, uh, Will Heron is gonna minister the word of God to us and whatever else the Lord has laid upon his heart.
1: Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? Can you hear me all right? Pretty good. I've got a stopwatch here so you don't need to worry about your roast burning. Um, So, my name is Will Heron. If you don't know me, I know some of you. I don't know uh, some of you in the same way. So, um, I married uh, Bridget, who is originally from here in Jefferson. I'm not originally from here, as you'll probably gather from my accent. Although, I think it's kind of become very Americanized uh, in my 12 years of living here. Um, But as uh, Pastor Dave shared, we... We're married back in um, 2007. Um, we were with Rand for a few years, and then we moved out to the East Coast. And we've been there for just over four years. And um, its I remember somebody saying something to us before we left and saying there's something about being at the blueprint stage of something, you know, at the planning stage, at the very, very beginning of something, that's a privilege. And I really have, have felt that. For us, it's been a joy to have been at the very beginning of something when I went there um, to start like kind of the worship team and that Jamie our pastor was leading with a couple of other people and there was about 80 people or so in the church and it's been exciting over the last four years to see in every area um, growth in numbers but to be honest numbers has never really been uh, my thing or Jamie and his wife Andy's thing but actually what we feel like is more important that as people are actually growing in their relationship with one another, um, and an openness towards one another, uh, and an openness towards God. And we are really seeing that, and super excited to see that. Uh, it's an exciting time for us as a church. I have a few pictures, I'm probably standing in the way. Um, you want to put the first one up? Um, so this is our our church. Um, we recently got like a sign and everything, because for the last number of years, we have shared the building with a girls' school, private girls' school. We kind of rented out the building because the church was small. Um, but they're now moving out, and so we have started work on. You want to put on the next one? Started work. Oh yeah, sorry, that's kind of the side. Um, it, it looks a mess, and that's because it is. Basically, um, we've started renovating some uh, rooms for staff rooms. This room, actually, we took away like the artificial kind of ceiling, and realized that a lot of these rooms actually have super nice ceilings like old like wood ceilings so this one potentially is going to be a music studio because it's like the quietest room in the whole building um you want to do the next one um the next one is kind of similar in terms of like so this is going to be another staff room because as the church grows the staff has been growing um and so we're um yeah kind of expanding that way do you want to do the next one um so, yeah, this is our our church now. So we're actually, um, yeah, kind of starting to grow in that sense. We've done a lot of painting, and we're actually going to be kind of doing renovations to some of the stage. But uh, it's been super fun kind of seeing things grow and be part of that. Um, I'm not sure. Is there another? You want to put another one? Okay. Sorry, this is to the side also. Um, so the, one of the exciting things I feel about... Um, is that we have really uh, been very intentional about reaching out and working with other churches and other organizations. We've done that through the Alpha Course, which is an evangelistic program. Uh, we have training for that, so churches come on site. So any one time, you will maybe have like eight or nine churches represented from the area, DC metro area. Uh, worship, I head up a... Um, community of worship leaders, kind of about 120 worship leaders or so, uh, again from various churches, which is great, just them coming together. So around those hubs of Alpha and worship, you got people coming together. But this is a really exciting venture. A few years ago, we were invited to come down to what was then just a complete building site um, of the Museum of the Bible. Um, So many of you be familiar with Hobby Lobby, the family of Hobby Lobby, the Green family, uh, well, there, there's two, the parents own Hobby Lobby, and then their son, um, Steve Green, I think his name is. This has kind of he, been his venture, Museum of the Bible. Years ago, they started collecting all these artifacts, um, by biblical artifacts, and now they have thousands of them now. And so they were like, why don't we just build a museum like a couple of blocks from the Capitol building, because that'll be fun. And, um, and so... It's kind of on its side, I apologize for that. But we were down there just a couple of weeks ago. So for the last couple of weeks, or a couple of years, uh, um, a few of us on staff have been going down and just worshipping on site and praying with them as a team. So it's been amazing to see this building go up from being in the ground. And you can't really see, but these are the doors, like here and here. So this is the front opening. These are like gold. They're not like real gold, I guess. But um, they're like one of the prints of the first like Bibles. They're in German, I think, or something like that crazy. But um, this museum has been done to a standard that is equal and above the Smithsonian Museums, which are just a flea box away. So if you ever get to D.C. and you're flying through there, it opens this November. So, And they're not paying me to plug that. I'm just saying it's that's going to be phenomenal. Um, Bridget continues to head up uh, pre-K, toddler, and... Um, Nursery volunteer group and that's really grown when Bridget came on started leading her pre-kindergarten group there was about six or seven kids and others like 20 so um, that's starting to split so we're kind of seeing growth in that area um, and in terms of uh, for HTC Music so HTC Music is the avenue by which we release songs that are written within the church it's been a busy year as well like Donna said we uh, released our family worship album this year and That's been super cool. When I first came on staff, Jamie, our pastor, just said, look, can you expand the repertoire of kids' songs that we do? We normally have the kids come up and sing during the service. And um, so we just started writing songs, which as a parent, actually, was quite easy in some ways to do, because I'm just like, what truths do I want Joel and Ellie, you know, my son and my daughter, to be singing, like, so often? those kids songs that we sing as kids remain with us in the adulthood. Like even people who don't even remain in a relationship with Jesus, uh, those truths actually remain there. And so we see those as seeds planted in, in kids. But we called it a family worship album because we didn't want parents tearing their hair out as they're listening to these songs in their cars. So lyrically and musically, we've tried to gear it to the whole family. So, um, so you can get those today if you want. If not, I'm not gonna be offended. And uh, our we had a guy just come on, super nice guy from Hawaii, and uh, he hand painted like all of the the artwork for the those super super cool. Anyways, um, and this next year is pretty exciting for us. Joel starts kindergarten. Um, Ellie, so Joel's our son, he's five years old. Um, Ellie's two and a half, and um, so we know kind of Ellie's probably gonna miss Joel being at home. But anyway, that's what's happening. Um, this morning, uh, just in the time that we have together, I want us to think about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Um, so often, we, you know, you can kind of just get lost in church culture or like Christianity and you kind of really forget what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Christ. Um, if you're connected with the social media world at all, you're, you'll be familiar with an app called Instagram. Instagram. Um, Instagram is an app that you can have on your phone and you can share photos. And if you do have an app, hands up, you got Instagram. Anybody got Instagram? Okay, some people. So Instagram, uh, it's a cool way of being able to share photos. If you go into your settings, you can see how many people are following you. And um, you can also see how many people that you're following. So you you can kind of share and see other people's photos. And um, I mean, you go on there, there's some people who have like a ton of followers. So our pastor, Jamie, Uh, back at HTC. He is a chaplain for the TV adventure Bear Grylls. And so he kind of is a pastor for him and his team. Um, And uh, Bear has, uh, I think, about one and a half million followers on Instagram, which is about the population of Northern Ireland, which is crazy to think about. Um, What was surprising for me, though, is actually the largest account on Instagram is Instagram itself. It has, um, they just post pictures, I guess, like, I don't know if they just pick them out from other people's accounts. But they have like about 225.2 million followers um, as of two days ago. So um, pretty crazy. But, you know, it, it peels in comparison to the amount of followers that Jesus has had um, over the course of history. Um, Pew Research, a couple of years ago, did a research... Um, Trying to estimate the number of Christians or disciples of Jesus um, in the world at that time in 2015, and they estimated about 2.3 billion people at one at that stage in time who uh, confessed to having a relationship with Jesus and you know declared him as Lord, and which is an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and of course, that's just one snapshot of history. I mean, you can go into billions and billions of people who have followed after Jesus. But what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? That's something I want to just consider this morning, in the time that we have together. And there's four things I want us just to think about, just super quick. Um, and it's in um, I'm going to use the first letter uh, of the word love, so L O V E, so an acronym L O V E, love. So the first one may be an obvious one. Um, that one of the defining characteristics of a follower of Christ is that they're loving. They're loving. The last time I spoke, or one of the last times I spoke here, I spoke from John 13, which is um, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And this is what he says to his disciples after. He says a lot to them, actually, after, but this is one of the things he says. He says, a new command I give you. This is John 13, 34, 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by what? By love, loving one another, you will know that you're. Um, they will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Love is a defining characteristic, and a defining outward characteristic of a follower of Christ. On any given Sunday uh, at HTC, we have a lobby area, not unlike um, here at ALM. And uh, on any given Sunday, some people earlier, some people later to church we kind of find. But the lobby begins to kind of fill up um, with people, different generations, people mingling together. We have tea and coffee and like scones and stuff like that that people can come in. And, and uh, so it's kind of like a hive of activity. But one of the things we've been really intentional about is making sure our Trinity kids team, like the kids ministry team, are really easily identifiable. Because families come in, especially if they're new, and they're just like, where do I even go to like sign in my kids or go... And, um, and so we have these t-shirts, it just says HTC, Trinity Kids, we have a big Trinity Kids banner, so people know exactly, they're just like, it's like a defining marker, you know? And, um, and this is kind of what Jesus is getting at here, he's saying that love, love itself is one of those standout characteristics, and it just isn't any kind of love. You know, um, love is a word that's kind of saturated in society today, I feel. Like people are talking about love, and we need to pursue love, and we need to come together in love, and all of these things. But I think it's always important to really try and define what love is, if you're going to use the word so much, because, I mean, like anything, you're going to try and find out what it is. And I feel like love, when we look at what the love of God is, it, it's all accepting. Like God so loved the world, the whole world, bringing in like this. But it's not all affirming it doesn't affirm anything. Like, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus. Why? To die for us? Because we've fallen short of the glory of God. Like, God didn't just affirm everything in us and affirm everything in everybody and just say, this is what love looks like. It just means, like, everybody come together, everybody, everything's good, that kind of thing. That's not love. And so that's, when, when we're talking about being loving, yes, it is that the love of God that is all-accepting and welcoming, and yet it's not a love that's all-affirming. Like, what if I affirmed everything that my son Joel did or that Ellie did? It would actually be really destructive. And yet sometimes I feel that is the kind of love that society defines for us, that just says, just affirm everything and, you know, everybody come in. So um, that scripture, you know, is one of the most famous ones. God so loved the world, He sent His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in Hebrews 1, 3, we read this, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. The exact representation of His being. So Jesus is a mirror image of the Father. So if the Father sent Jesus in love because He loved the world so much, and Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, if we're following after Jesus, then that's the same heart that we have to have for the world. And it's not just a sense of, you know, um, like sometimes I feel like you can use the word the world and it it's kind of just generalizes it and then it's a bit easier, you know. Oh, yeah, we love the world. But what does that actually mean? For you, it means the colleagues in your workplace. For you, it means the people that you sit together with in school. For you, it means the people that you bump into at Fairway and High V. the people who back, you know, bag your groceries for you. Um, when God loves the whole world, that's what he's talking about. Your neighbor, the people alongside you, the people that you're sitting with right now. We've got to be careful not to kind of generalize that. A love for others is, um, it's an inward sign of change. In 1 John 3, we read this. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death we know that we've passed from death to life because we love one another. It's a sign of an inward change. We accept Christ as Savior and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we continue to yield to the Holy Spirit and let him reign in our hearts, he does a transformative work in us. Galatians 5, we read about that fruit that comes out when the Holy Spirit is reigning us. And what's the first one? Love. It's love. Maybe some of you are thinking like, uh, well, this is all well and good. Um, you're talking about love, but maybe somebody's coming to mind for you. I've talked about a work colleague and you're just like, do not ask me to love like so and so if honestly, if you knew them or um, don't ask me to love this family member like um, that's just unrealistic and um i don't want I don't want you to think that I'm naive um, to that." Um, Unfortunately, over the last uh, four or five years, it's actually been a really difficult time for my family back in Northern Ireland. Um, we, uh, I mean, kind of long story short, one of my sisters uh, ended up going through a, a divorce, and um, you know, as a family, we've had to deal with betrayal and and uh, those kind of things. And obviously, it's been extremely difficult. And so, I, I don't want you to think like. I think that's pretty fresh for us as a family, so I don't want you to think I'm standing up here and just saying, you need to love everybody, and if you don't, you're a bad person. And actually, love is... um, Love can seem impossibly hard at times. But again, talking about what Pastor Dave was saying, you know, in in worship there and coming out of this, we've realized that this is not something that we're called to by ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside who enables us to love, have that love of the Father, because we can't do it by ourselves. It really is an impossible task. Like, love doesn't come naturally to us. Easy, like Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Like, even the pagans are doing that. Even the people who don't even, you know, acknowledge me are doing that. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you're like, what? Jesus, what are you talking about? (laughs) I can't be perfect. The theme of of this scripture is love. And so what what Jesus is calling us to is to follow the example of the Father, the fatherly love. And that is a divine love. It's not something that we can do by ourselves. So as I say this, it's a defining... Love, uh, our first one, is a defining characteristic of a follower of Christ Yes, it is, but it's actually a defining characteristic of somebody who has yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit and said, I, I honestly can't do this, this by myself. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the ones who humble themselves before the Lord. Yeah. That's my first point. My first point's always the longest, so don't worry about it. You know the way like a pastor starts, I've got four points in my sermon, you're like, oh, that one was like 15 minutes, we're in trouble. Um, Secondly, uh, the second letter is O. Uh, one of the define, another defining characteristic of a follower of Christ is that they're obedient to God's heart. They're obedient to His command. Um, ten years ago, just over ten years ago, Bridget and I stood on this stage and committed our lives to one another, um, with the help of Bridget's granddad Harold and Pastor Dave here, and uh, we recently celebrated uh, that first decade together, and uh, as always with anniversaries or milestones, you tend to look back, you know, you reach a decade or a few decades or whatever, 25 years, whatever, and you tend to look back, and um, I would say our marriage is, you know, that 10 years is probably d- being defined by a couple of big decisions, one, stepping into Ren Collective when we did, after living here for a couple of years, oh, lovely, very nice, thank you, um, and uh, it's nice having these monitors here, isn't it? It's like it's really good. And, uh, and then secondly, moving to the East Coast, neither of which we anticipated, expected, or particularly was very easy to do. And, um, and yet so often God calls us out of our comfort zone. In fact, I would be slightly concerned if you feel like all the time you're just stepping into things that like are a breeze. Because if you look at the scriptures, That's not really what you see. Look at the Old Testament characters. Look at Moses. He objected five times. Um, God was just saying, look, this is what I'm calling you to. And he's just like, look, you've got the wrong person. You you must be thinking of somebody else. Like so often God called people out of their depth. That was just the nature of what he did. And um, for us, that's kind of, uh, I guess, what both of those things were like. Um, Recently... uh, well, actually, before I say that, I'll say this. Obedience to God heart is a huge part of following after him. Um, but here's the thing. To follow somebody, you have to trust them. Pastor Dave has already talked about that this morning. You have to trust. Obedience requires trust. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, Ellie and I were heading down. We live in a three-level townhome, uh, so plenty of stairs. And um, so anyways, we're going down to the basement to play, like, you know, playroom. And Ellie and Joel have made up this game of like I don't know what is it with kids and like jumping off of things, like climbing up really high and then just wanting to jump, whether they, you know, whether you're there or not. Um, and so we're walking down the stairs, and Ellie, um, we get to about four steps, so like this height, and um, Ellie was looked at me and um, was like, "I'm going to jump," and I was just like, "No, you're not." And. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I you know I said you're look like, you know you 're going to get hurt let 's go down a couple more steps and then you can jump from there, and that 'll be fine and There was a bit of back and forward. Any of us who know Ellie or our family know that she doesn 't give in easily, and um, anyway, so I was like um, i was listen ellie i don 't want to take you to the hospital i don 't want to hurt your legs and your joints, so let 's go down a couple and eventually she went on to the third step, and I was just like, no we 're still not doing this and then on to the second step, and then she jumped. And um, they call it like cannon hop. I think they're trying to say cannonball. <laughs> I think that was like jumping into a pool. <laughs> anyway, it's called cannon hop. And um, anyway, so she, uh, she, she jumped. And you know, this is trying to drive home my point in terms of obedience requiring trust. Eventually, she just had to trust me. Because as far as she was concerned, her way was much more fun. Uh, it, seem, it just made much more sense. And yet, um, in the end, she trusted me. And she's like, okay. I trusted the fact that I could end up in hospital if I jumped from this height. And um, so often, um, so often we feel like Ellie did um, when it comes to our relationship with God, you know, that we are. And they were just like, but God, you don't, you don't, you know. Maybe we feel like He's He's calling us into something, He's leading us into something, or we see like one of His commands, about loving one another and something like that. Or just like, God, you don't understand. Like from my perspective, if you could only see like my perspective, then you'd know. Or that doesn't make sense to me. Like being straight up, it didn't financially make a lot of sense for us to jump into Rank Collective at the time. You know, we were both working here in town. We had good jobs. We had our house. And it wasn't a financial decision, I can tell you that, at that stage. Um, You know, and so sometimes it's like, God, this financially doesn't make sense. Like, uh, relationally doesn't make sense. It'd be so much comfortable, like being here or that kind of thing. And yet, obedience requires trust. Mm -hmm. Where you say, you know what? I see in part, you see everything. You see the you see the whole of the story. I just see a, a glimpse of it, and so I'm going to trust you. And um, again, just saying that this isn't something that we can do by ourselves. Um, a man came to see Jesus once, and he uh, he had a son was possessed by a, a demon, and it was a really nasty set of circumstances that the demon was throwing his son into like fire and water and trying to kill the boy essentially. And he came up to Jesus and he said to him, um, Jesus, if you can do anything, you know, just help him. Kind of like a, just throwing it out, just like if you can do anything. And Jesus replied and he says, if I can. He said, um, you know, anything is possible for him who believes. And the man replied saying, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. So in that man, we see this kind of, like a, a dichotomy, like of one, you know, this guy, he had obviously come to Jesus, so he believed in some way, he had some faith, but then he was also just like, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Like, there's part of me that just doesn't even believe this is possible or I don't have much faith. And I feel like we can come in the same way with God, that sometimes we get anxious over finances, sometimes uh, we get anxious over our family, over what our future looks like. But I feel like this is a great prayer that we come in, and you're just saying, Lord, I believe, I, I trust in you, but help me in my unbelief as well. Because let me tell you, if anxiety is there, then there's a degree of uncertainty there. Because we, if, we, if we were fully relaxed in him, like Apostle Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Like, that's possible. That is possible, believe it or not. We weren't made to be anxious. Our bodies tell us that. Biologically, we just go to go to the whatever. You know, when we start getting anxious, we can't handle it. We weren't made for it. But it's that prayer, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Help me to trust you wholeheartedly, to know that you're faithful in your word, that you'll never leave me, that you'll never stop loving me. Help me to trust you. So, secondly, obedience uh, to God's leading and teaching is a sign of a follower of Jesus, and yet we can't do it by ourselves. We need that inward work of the Holy Spirit. V... I've already confessed to Pastor Dave that this is a bit of a stretch. Um, I I was kind of struggling to find a verb uh, for the letter V. But what I did want to say was um, a scripture in Matthew where Jesus talks about taking up our cross. And as I thought about that, I thought of the word V, which is the Via Dolorosa, uh, which tradition holds is actually the road in which Jesus walked um, when he carried his cross and on the road to his crucifixion. So... um, Matthew 10, verse 37 to 39, says this. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, to fully understand what Jesus is trying to communicate here and as a general principle for Scripture, I think, uh, it's always good to kind of think, what were the original listeners and readers thinking about this? Like, these words were written at a particular time, and so some of the cultural things that Jesus was using in parables and imagery. Um, crucifixion isn't something that happens here in Jefferson. So, But for these people, it was a very real and daily thing. So when Jesus is using this um, symbolically, um, Really what it would have meant to people at that time was the Romans used crucifixion, and it was so terrible that they actually got guilty about it and in the end did away with it because it was so terrible. But one of the goals of crucifixion was a public display of forced surrender to Roman rule. Basically, the people who were crucified were people who had opposed the Roman rule in some way and deemed a threat. And then they basically made a public spectacle of them and saying, you're either going to willingly submit to us or you're going to forcefully submit to us. Now, the, the, So that's what it would have meant, like when people hear about like, the cross, that's the kind of imagery that would have come into their head. But Jesus isn't using it in, in obviously the same way. We, we all know here that God is not a dictator. God is not one who forces us into submission or surrender. Um, but what Jesus is trying to get a point, uh, the point across here is taking up our cross is surrendering to his authority and his reign in our lives much in the same way, but in vastly different circumstances. It's an act of surrender, an act of submission to God, but it's motivated by love. That's the opposite. It's not motivated out of fear. You you had people who were living at that time, and they were just fearful. They are just like, if we don't do this, we don't pay our taxes, we're going to end up like this guy on on these thieves on a cross. But rather, um, we're motivated out of love, out of God's love. (laughs) God, you love me in the way that you do. I surrender my life to you. I submit my life to you. When Jesus talks about taking up our cross, he's also getting at humbling ourselves and exalting him in our lives. The verse before, these are like tough words from Jesus, I feel, on a Sunday morning, but here we are. Jesus' words, he says this, if you, it's the verse beforehand. If you prefer your father or your mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer your son or your daughter over me, you don't deserve me one of the characteristics of a follower of Christ is that Christ is first in their life. Their loyalty lies with him above everything else. Um, Now, there is a lot of things in our life that should be priority in our life. And family for me has always been a priority and always will be very high priority. Um, But there's a pastor up in New York called Tim Keller, and he says something very helpful in regards to Idols. He says, uh, we make idols when we make good things, ultimate things. When we make good things, family, work, career, finance, sport, whatever it is. When we make good things, ultimate things. They were never made to be in that ultimate place. And actually, we relate to those things in a much better way, a much better way, a much healthier way when they are given their rightful place which is under Jesus' lordship in our lives. So Jesus is talking about surrender, submission, and humility, <laughs> um, but there's one more thing here that Jesus is talking about and would have r- rang true for people who were listening to him. Jesus is talking about commitment here. You gotta understand that um, for those who were listening to Jesus at this time, he, um, there was great cost And following after him like we just have to look at all but one of the disciples uh, who ended up being martyred for their faith I mean that was the climate that they were they were living in so when Jesus talks about taking up their cross as well there is a degree of just like are you willing to effectively go to the cross for me for me are you willing to lay down your life now most of us here won't actually have to face that, but this is what Jesus is communicating here as well. There's a sense of commitment. Like, are you willing to be committed to me through thick and thin? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty weighty stuff. But here's the thing, and I'm going to drive it home with every, all four of these points. This isn't something that we're left to do on our own, own devices. Um, when it talks about surrender and submission and humility and commitment... I know personally, like I falter in all of those things and, you know, depending on the seasons. If I'm left to my own devices, it's kind of like, you know, like this. But rather it's like, Lord, help me surrender to you. Help me to live my life with open hands before you that I don't just start to um, hold um, my family and my finances and my future with a tight grasp. And then finally... The letter E is evangelistic. Um, we are, as disciples of Christ, we're called to lead others to Him. Now, when you throw out a term like evangelistic or evangelism, you immediately start thinking of people like Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke, um, and you just think, yeah, it's. A a profession, evangelism, and there's no doubt certain people are definitely more skilled in evangelism and talking to thousands and millions of people, but actually the reality is that each of us as followers of Christ are evangelists. Um, Each of us here have relatively different spheres of influence in our lives when you think of your work, your social life, um, and school, and whatever it is. So you think of the reach even of the people in this room as quite considerable, and ALM as a congregation. We are called to make disciples. You're probably familiar with Jesus' command in Matthew 28 that he gives to his disciples and in turn to us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's such a lovely thing. That's one of the last things he says. Surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Like, how comforting is presence? Like, as you're a child, the presence of a loving parent, like, that's hard to beat. Um, but I want to focus on this command, make disciples. As I said, we are ambassadors and representatives of Christ to those in our world. Um, but what is does what is making disciples look like? I think there's two aspects to this. One, there's a verbal making disciples, like it involves us speaking, and then there's the nonverbal. and actually quite often the nonverbal is the most impactful. Um, so the verbal, there's teaching, you know, if you guys have like small groups or if you're drawing people together or you're sitting having a meal together and you just start talking and start talking about a scripture and then you're able to teach out of that or maybe some of you guys mentor people and you're able to actually communicate directly, Um, Maybe you're just sitting having lunch at work and a colleague just randomly brings up something like a news headline and then suddenly you find yourself talking about God and then suddenly you're able to actually like really witness to hope that you have and a peace that you have in the face of complete uncertainty. That's what I mean when you're making disciples in terms of you're leading people to Christ. Um, The non-verbal though is our lifestyle. I... uh, I went to, to Carroll uh, movie theater and ended up sitting by myself actually in this huge theater. It was kind of fun. It's like a big living room by myself. Um, I went to see the film Dunkirk, um, which if you're into war movies and history in any way, like I'd really recommend, um, really respectfully done. And, um, but anyway, so there it was. And um, just before I left the Pope's house, I went on Steve's CD collection because um, I still listen to CDs. I know some people don't, but I do. And um, I came across DC Talk, uh, Jesus Freak album. Jesus Freak, anybody? DC Talk. And um, amen, can I hear an amen? And um, anyway, so I was just like, I got to listen to this album. So I listened to it, I was just like, man, this album is so good. But one of the things that stood out for me was this track, What If I Stumble? And um, they use a Brennan Manning quote at the beginning of that song that says this, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Um, so when I'm talking about the non-verbal, I'm talking about just our lifestyle. Cause like, I mean, I throw out all sort of cliché, talk is cheap, like, you know, actions speak louder than words. But sometimes those things just like run over, but it's, it's, it's kind of cliche cause it's true. It's been re- repeated so much that our lives when we're talking about being a witness and leading people to Jesus, yeah, we can talk to people about it, but really the fruit of that is in our lives. It's when they see this kind of love that we've been talking about, which is a divine love. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not of this, this world. That's why it sets us apart from any sort of love in this world. Um, it's because it's divine. It's the Holy Spirit within us, the, the character of Christ within us. And... Um, you know, so often impact comes through the nonverbal. I have experienced both of those. I think of my own parents who were missionaries in Brazil before I was born. Uh, I have four older sisters and they were in, um, they planted a church in the Amazon jungle and lived there for like eight years before I was born. And, you know, I grew up in a Christian family. My parents sent me to Sunday school. Any conversations that I wanted to have about Jesus, or God, they would have very happily um, said, you, know, sat down and, and talked with me. But you know, as I head into, um, headed into adult life and started to figure this out for myself in terms of relationship with God and that kind of thing, the thing that actually speaks most to me is the almost like nonverbal decision that they made to go and follow after God in the Amazon jungle with their three young girls. Like, um, you know, it's, it's one thing for you to have faith in something and say, you know, I have faith in that chair that it's not going to collapse. It's another thing for you to sit in it. It's, a, it's one thing for my family to say, we're, you know, we're Christians and we, like, you know, we love the Lord and we go to church and we're sending you to Sunday school. It's another thing when God calls them to the back end of beyond into conditions that were just like crazy and said, this is, this is my call for you guys right now. And they were obedient to that, and they went. Don't underestimate the power of the nonverbal witness in your life. And you know what? Um, I, I heard this quote a few days ago, which was quite good. Discipleship is, discipleship is not microwavable in the sense that, you know, it's not like a quick meal that you just throw in. Um, it reminds me of, uh, I can never say the title, diners, drive-ins, drive-ins and dives. Um, how often do you, I mean, you see the barbecue specials on that and they can just like barbecue like no other. Um, but, you know, meat's prepared and it's just like, well, how long? You make all this yourself? Yeah, yeah, we actually, you know, prepped this meat like a week ago and it's been sitting in the smoker for like 48 hours and like, you know, and then it just goes into this tiny little sandwich. You know, there's so much prep work that's going into that. Discipleship is kind of like that. Like, it can, it can just take a long, long time. You work with the same person for 20 years. And then on the first day of the 21st year, they turn and they just say, I've, I've never really seen, like, patience and a genuine care and love for anybody like I've seen in you before. Can you, like, like what, what is that? Or um, as a company, we've gone through uh, the craziest financial situation, and yet you had this, like, steadfastness and hope and peace in the midst of that, like, can you tell me where where does that even come from? Everybody else was losing their heads and you didn't. You know? Discipleship can take a long time and it's a commitment and it's a genuine love for people. But, again, maybe I'm alone in this, but that doesn't come naturally to me, for the most part. You know, somebody does something to offend you and you're just like, well, okay, I'm done. We'll just push you away. You know? Um, But again, this is is about having the helper, the Holy Spirit. What we're talking about here is basically the heart of Christ being formed in us and us living it out. Submitting to the will of the Father. It's exactly what Jesus did. Loving like the Father. It's exactly what Jesus did. Taking up a cross and following after the heart of God. It's exactly what Jesus did. Making disciples. He set us an example and now we're called to follow it. Um, So as you're sitting over lunch today, I hope that you'll, if you don't remember anything else, you maybe remember these four letters and um, everything kind of contained within that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for your leading in our lives. Thank you for everything that you've taught us, everything you continue to teach us. Lord, I thank you so much for the reach of this church in this community. Thank you, Father, for the many people that you've put in our lives around about us, Lord. Some new relationships, just only a few years old, some people we've known for years and years and years. And Lord, I want to pray for those people that maybe came to mind for us when we considered love, loving others and how difficult that can be. Lord, I pray, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh? Lord, would you help us to step out beyond our own ability, resting on our own ability, Lord, and rather, Lord, to love in your strength, even in the face of hardship and impossibility where we feel we just can't, we can't forgive, we can't show mercy. Lord, would you help us to love like you and to love like you have loved us? And Lord, would you help us in obedience to you, Lord, to submit to you, to trust you when you call us out of our depth, especially, Lord, help us to not withhold anything from you. Help us to take up our cross and submit to you. And Lord, we pray. Lord, would you use us to draw people to yourself? In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so I... Um, oh, yeah, there we go. I was just about way the same. Technology challenged. Um, I'm going to turn this one off. Um, so we, at HTC Music, um, we've done, like, a, a couple of albums. Um, and the thing, actually, that I feel most excited about in terms of the... HTC music stuff is just that, um, it's kind of a snapshot of what God has really been doing in HTC over the last four years. These songs kind of come out of conversations and prayers and sermons and walking through joys with people, celebrating those things, walking through difficulties, um, sadness, those kind of things. But in all of those things, seeing God's faithfulness and his presence and his love and, um, But these family, I'm going to sing one song off of the. um, I'm actually going to sit. Actually, I think to, or maybe I should use the stool. So, like I said, um, at a particular time in our service every Sunday, we get the kids up to sing, and they do actions. And I'm just considering whether I'm going to have you do the actions or not and embarrass you or not. But maybe I'll not do that. Um, This is uh, the title track off of the Family Worship album. And um, it really is such a a privilege to be able to write um, these songs. Sorry, just tuning. It's kind of fun that me and Emma have the same guitar. It just feels like home here. Um, so yes, this song, I Will Follow, it was actually one of the last ones to go on the album uh, just a few days before we kind of were finishing recording. I was just thinking, we don't actually have any songs that we sing where the kids like talk about following after God. Like that commitment we were talking about where it's kind of like, through mountain tops, valleys, I'm committed to you. I'm walking through, and um, anyways, so here it is. You can sing along. The course is pretty easy, or not. I always tell people I'm not going to be offended because then people feel a pressure that they have to sing, but you don't have to if you don't want to. <laughs>
0: Getting the, I'm getting, I mean, I've always got something going on in my head, so. If you think I'm good, then shout hurrah. If you don't, then just sit and bawl. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that
0: was, that, that, I mean, did, could you tell that was like, from the spur of the moment. I hadn't planned on that at all. So praise the Lord. Well, what a blessing. Just want to acknowledge Ellen. She's here this morning back from Africa. And how long are you back for? August 9th. And so she's going back again for another year in Africa, teaching over there. And I was talking to Janice last Sunday and I said, she's got a little bit of a adventurous spirit about that girl she's been all over the place and so anyway just just keep her in your prayers because some of the places where she goes it's uh, not exactly real safe so I know the last place she was they had to find her a uh, special accommodations because of the dangers and so anyway but she's been faithful to do this for so long and and so just be praying about that and praying for her Well, be blessed. Have a great day. And uh, give somebody a hug and let them know you really love them. Amen? Okay. Be blessed. Have a great day.